Welcome to Snares Book Prep Uncovered, the podcast where we talk with staff, with pupils and with parents to understand more about life at the school. Each episode I'm joined by Ralph Dalton, head teacher at the school, and together we speak to a guest, so it's a bit of a three-way conversation. Now in this episode we're speaking to the incoming PE teacher at Snares Book Prep, Rebecca Bradley. We're about to hear from her, but first of all, Ralph. How are you doing? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm actually Simon. It's Friday, and I'm I'm a little jaded, if I'm being honest. I find the constant desire, pressure—I don't know—pick um, your own word—to sort of keep things improving and constantly trying to make things as best, you know, as, as good as they can be. Quite, um, quite exhausting. I mean, um, lots of people tell me I should take it less personally and um, not worry so much, but I can't do that. So. Um, if you're going to do something, you've got to do it well. <laughs> so tell me then, when you're thinking about how to make improvements uh, about general life at school, when do most of your ideas come to you? Because sometimes people say that their good ideas come to them when they're in the shower or when they're out for a walk. Is that what you find? Or is it when you're in your office there at school? As you might notice in trying to answer questions, I just they my mind is just awash with thoughts and ideas all the time. Not necessarily good ones. I'm not claiming they're any good. I mean... Um, you know, it could be like popcorn. The popcorn machine is just like a wash with stuff whizzing around, isn't it? But it's not necessarily the most nutritious. And you're not claiming, but yeah. So it's it's really it can be any time um, and almost about anything. And often when I am, I like looking for other areas and learning from other areas and constantly thinking, right? How can we apply that learning? to our situation or how could that help pupils even though it might not be connected to education at all but yeah the the sort of desire it's never good enough nothing is ever good enough and that's quite exhausting and I feel a bit like I've lost some of my fight today but um yeah you know um but then I suppose on the upside we've uh, I've just been thinking we have what we call the final merit award and uh, thinking about that and thinking about the journey that our year sixes have been on in their time here throughout the whole school. Uh, so that was that was a lovely couple of hours spent doing that. So, um, yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Anyway, enough of, enough of my enough of my moaning. <laughs> well, we should... on the one hand, then you've got the year sixes at the top end and they're going to be leaving soon. On the other hand, we've got Rebecca Bradley, uh, incoming PE teacher, and she's just about to join the school. Tell me why we're talking to her today. What's all that about? Well, obviously she's joining. It's again, the opportunity, hopefully for parents to try and sort of meet uh, Mrs. Bradley before she sort of gets here. And again, actually, it's very hard for parents to meet all the teachers in the organisation. So again, one of the ideas behind the podcast was just to be able to sort of put a personality and the ideas that go into their teaching um, to the name that you see on the sort of um, website or, you know, whatever, or when a child come home and say, oh, Mrs. Bradley told me this. Hopefully uh, the purpose of this is to help parents sort of have a feel for who that person really is. Okay, well, I've got a small stack of questions here for her, so I'm going to hop across and speak to her, and then I'll catch up with you after I've had a good conversation with her. Does that sound all right? Sounds awesome. Let's do it. Rebecca, welcome to this podcast episode. Thank you for joining us today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, Very good indeed, thanks. Very good. Just tell us a little bit about where you are and what's happening in your world today. Okay, so um, I'm currently working part-time, so this is one of my days off. So I'm at home at the moment, just sat at the kitchen table on a nice sunny day. Very nice, very nice. And it's around about lunchtime, sunny day, and that's all good. And tell me whereabouts you live in the world? I live in Walthamstow, East London. Okay, have you lived there for long? 
I've been here for around 18 months. Um, prior to that, I lived in Hackney for 10 years. Okay, right. Now, you're going to be joining Snares Book Prep in September, uh, and I'm sure the staff there are very much looking forward to meeting up with you. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. So whether you're working somewhere else at the moment and whether that's a school or somewhere different. Sure, yeah. So I'm currently working in my school. I've been there for nine years. I've started working there as the head of girls PE. Um, after a f- couple of years, I then got promoted to head of PE faculty. Um, so I held those posts for around about five years in total. I then went off to maternity leave to have my son. Came back. Unfortunately, COVID hit. So, of course, we all went through the process of working from home, which we all stuck together. We all worked hard. We all managed to overcome it. And obviously, we we're back in school now. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really good to get back into school. But I returned to work following maternity leave on a part time basis, um, which obviously is very different to what I was doing before as head of PE. I see. OK. And tell us how old your son is as well. He's three and a half. Is he a handful at all? (laughs) He is a wonderful little boy, full of energy, full of beans. um, And of course, he's obsessed with sport, which (laughs) I have instilled. Um, But yeah, he's currently at preschool at the moment. So he goes to preschool four days a week. And I believe that you're married as well. Is your is your husband keen on sport as well, or is that not really his jam? Oh yes, we we are very much a sporting family. Um, so we are ensuring that my little boy he, he's currently swimming. He goes to football club. Um, I do want him to have some form of gold medal round his neck at some point. <laughs> he's my little project Olympian. Um, but yes, my husband, you know, really into health and fitness, as am I. Um, I would probably say that I'm a recreational runner I actually went for a run this morning um I also do home workouts but competitively I love playing netball that's my that's my team sport that I like to play okay so quick question just for fun let's just imagine that the three of you are in the Olympics which is a bit strange given that your son is three and a half Um, but if you were all in the Olympics which sport do you think each of the each of the three of you would be engaged in I would be a track athlete I'd be a sprinter I would probably say my husband would he would be in the football. I would probably say my son, oh goodness, he would he would attempt anything at the moment because he's so enthusiastic. But I would imagine it would be some form of team sport. Not decided which one as yet. I'd be happy for rugby, hockey, any type of sport, to be honest, um, so long as he's doing something that he loves and enjoys. So it's interesting that you mentioned team sport there and w- without wanting that to influence your answer at all, do you think that it's better that, that children and adults engage in team sports instead of solo sports or do you think it doesn't make any difference at all, it's just good to be involved in sport? It, for me, it doesn't make any difference at all. If you're involved in sport, you develop your skills socially, whether you participate in an individual or a team sport. Chances are you go to training camps, even if you're you know, a solo tennis player, badminton player, for example. Um, so you'll be working within a group anyway. Um, just so long as you're involved in sport, you are going to experience the benefits of that sport. Mm. 
Mm, good answer. Yeah, I'd never really thought about everybody else that you'd be engaging in uh, or engaging with if you're if you're involved in that. So tell us then about your approach to teaching PE. I'd love to understand a bit more about that. Sure. So first of all, my lessons, I always ensure they're safe. That's always my priority. I am a very organised and structured teacher. Um, whilst I do enjoy discovery-based lessons, I am very, very adamant that lessons need to be structured and safe. Um, with a clear purpose as well. My lessons are always based on skill acquisition. I'm very particular with ensuring that skills are developed in the using correct technique, but also then enabling the children to actually apply those skills within competitive situations. It's all well and good being a skillful performer, but if you can't apply that into a competition, then we need to ensure that we encourage that. But in terms of the actual style of the lesson and the way that I teach, I am very much high energy, enthusiasm, engaging. I want the children to have fun. I want them to enjoy being physically active because I feel if they're physically active and they're enjoying themselves, they forget that they're exercising, which of course then improves their health, it improves their self-confidence, and overall it will improve their attitudes towards following a healthy, active lifestyle. So when you talk about a healthy, active lifestyle, I mean, it's, you know, you, you think about some of the children that are growing up these days, and, you know, looking at the trends that are happening, particularly in parts of the world like America, where you get child obesity, and quite often people say that what happens in the in the US will you know migrate over to the UK uh, sooner or later what are your thoughts regarding child obesity in the UK right now my thoughts are it's obviously it's really alarming to see quite a number of young people children struggling with their weight the first issue with that i always link to it is mental health because chances are if that child is struggling with their weight, then that's having a huge impact on their self-confidence. And if that's impacting their self-confidence, that is going to affect whether they do participate in physical activity. And physical activity for me doesn't just mean sport. It can mean walking around the park, you know, going on a bike ride with your family. And children who are struggling with their weight won't feel able or confident or that they want to actually put themselves in the public domain because they do have this weight issue. In terms of tackling um, obesity and the weight issue, we, we need, not just as teachers, but also as parents as well, to encourage these children to make correct choices, whether it's with food, diet, um, but also activity levels as well. So ensuring that PlayStations are switched off, TVs are switched off, and taking our families, taking our young children out at the weekends, and just enabling them to enjoy being outdoors being active with their family and I think it always starts in the home so if it starts in the home hopefully then that transfers into school and school of course we can encourage that um, on a variety of different levels be it in lessons be it in extracurricular but also you know school trips such as outdoor education type trips as well okay let's take it back into school then snares but prep school what is it about the school well first of all when did you hear about the school because you know it's, it's not the biggest school in the country by any means uh, when did you first hear about snares but prep and what is it about the school that makes made you want to join it so first and foremost i was i was wondering whether to start applying for different roles at I was seeking a new challenge and Snaresbrook Prep came up on the Times Educational Supplement. 
So I applied and started to do a little bit of research as well. And I just really got the impression that the school is very community-based and it's about developing love and care for these children and ensuring that they have a holistic approach to education, um, which I really was impressed by because those are my values as well. Whilst we need to ensure that our children are academically pushed, we also need to ensure that they are challenged and develop their social skills and their ability to transfer those skills when they finish prep school and moving on to secondary school. So the ability to prepare them for life at secondary school is really important. And I just, when I actually went for the interview, I really got the sense of these children are happy and they are cared for and the staff have the same goal of ensuring that they have the best standards of education, but also they are encouraged to participate and develop themselves in lots of different ways, be it artistically, creatively and physically through sport as well. Tell us a little bit about that interview process, I mean, without going into too much detail, but when you turned up at the school for the interview, what sort of things are going through your head and what sort of things are you looking out for and picking up from the school to give you a feeling as to what the school is like? Well, first of all, I'm always nervous on an interview day because, of course, you want to make the best impression of yourself. But the things that I look for is the atmosphere and the ethos of the school. And as soon as I walked in, I was greeted with a wonderful lady on reception who greeted with a smile. Of course, I met Mr. Dalton and Miss Griffiths as well. And I taught two of the most wonderful classes of children I think I've ever taught. And I just came away from the day really reinvigorated, actually, and really looking forward to finding out whether I was successful. I just really enjoyed being there. And it was just such a happy, warm, welcoming environment. And the staff looked happy. It it just felt like a really positive, good place to be working at. Gosh, so on interview day, you actually have to teach some of the children there in school. I I never realised that. So, of course, if you were doing something in an interview where where you are 100% in control, then you've only got yourself to think about. But, you know, without wanting to use the old cliche, never work with children or animals, children can be unpredictable. And the last thing anybody wants if they're doing like a, a an interview lesson is for a child or any children to unexpectedly do something which could reflect badly on you. I mean, you know, how do you feel nervous during that time with that element of uncontrollability is that a word it is now i would i would say yes it's i would feel a little bit nervous but at the same time i do trust in my ability to manage these situations i've been teaching for 15 years and i love teaching and i love working with young people um so i have had quite a few instances where there are times when children struggle to manage their emotion, control their behaviour, but that's natural. They're young people and, and it's up to us as adults to help them improve their ability to manage their behaviour and control their emotions. I, of course, had a wonderful day teaching both of those classes and nothing like that happened at all. But children are full of surprises and the surprises is what makes them who they are as individuals. So that's to be celebrated as far as I'm concerned. And if there is ever any time where children are struggling and they are struggling to control their emotions, then it's up to us as adults to help them understand why they feel like that and how to manage it and control it if if in future that arises again. I'm genuinely impressed with your answer there. And and I think that's probably why you're a teacher and I'm not, for sure. (laughs) Now, tell us about year two then, because you're going to be working with year two. What is it about that year group that you enjoy? Just their, their absolute zest for wanting to be better 
their enthusiasm. I actually taught you two on my interview day and it was just so refreshing to have a group of children in front of me that just wanted to do their absolute best. So with that enthusiasm, I will, of course, bring that enthusiasm as well. So hopefully together as a team, teacher with student, we can really engage them in my subject, first of all, but also ensure that they are feeling and developing their confidence at the same time, because that's really important to me that children develop their confidence through physical literacy. It's interesting. You've mentioned confidence a couple of times in this in this discussion. Uh, I mean, clearly, that's that's something which you recognise as being really important for children. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Um, Throughout my teaching career, I've really noticed a decrease in self-confidence and self-esteem, not just with girls, but with boys as well. Um, So I really believe that you have to set the right tone and the right atmosphere in your lessons as a teacher in order to set appropriate challenge but also to make sure that we are developing self-confidence. Because if we are allowing our children to grow and leave prep school or secondary school, and we haven't improved that self-confidence, they are not going to be ready for the next phase of their life, be it university, be it um, you know, going on to secondary school, you know, choosing the, the correct GCSEs, for example, so they, they have to be confident and they have to be self-assured that they are going to make the right decisions for them. Mm. Now, you've mentioned girls there a couple of times as well. And the, you're talking to someone right now that's got two teenage daughters. But what are your thoughts on why girls drop out of organised sport in, in such large numbers? I'll be, I'll be honest, in my experience, luckily, I've seen numbers of girls increase However, when I've started in in the different schools that I've worked in, the numbers have been low. And the one thing that I really noticed, we we had to do two things to ensure that these girls were joining extracurricular, having a more active involvement in their PE lessons as well. And the first thing was to develop self-esteem, make them feel good about themselves when they're physically active. But second of all, give them a voice. So particularly with my older female students, I have done things like pupil voice where I've asked them what they like what they don't like about PE and sport get them to suggest any activities that they actually like doing outside of school and if we and if you know me as a head of PE for example has the budget or the facility to be able to do that then those are the activities that we'd like to set on for those students but usually if we celebrate successes through assemblies through positive phone calls home to parents, to uh, speaking with their year leaders or their form tutors, usually developing that relationship with those girls actually encourages them to actually want to take part and be a lot more. So I do think developing their relationships with staff, ensuring that the staff are really pushing with self-confidence and just ensuring that we have a curriculum that suits their needs is the main three things that improves girls' attitude towards P and sport. Awesome. I love it. I really do. And and I think you're going to be really well placed at Snaresbrook Prep. Beck, I'd love to ask just a couple of things about yourself, if you're okay with that. Uh, I'm picking up an accent which isn't local to the, to the area. Uh, tell us about where you're from. So I'm from Stoke-on-Trent originally. However, I, I moved away from Stoke-on-Trent to go to university at 18. I did go back following university for three years, um, but I've not lost my accent. I moved to London when I was 27. I'm now 38 and I'm really trying to lose the accent, but it just comes back. But 
it's it's what makes me me so i'm quite happy to keep hold of my potter's accent for a little bit longer i think <laughs> yeah because people say don't they that stoke on trent's famous for is it pottery and lace pottery and robbie williams actually uh, so <laughs> yeah so those are the two things that we're famous for <laughs> fantastic um and if you ever moved back to stoke-on-trent would that would that be a good thing would you ever like to move back home the only thing that keeps me going back to stoke-on-trent is family and friends um but london is home for me and it will be home forever it's um i, I just love being here i love the beating heart of london so I cannot get pulled away from this city at all. And you mentioned university as well. Which one did you go to and what did you study? So I went to University of Gloucestershire. I studied sport education and then I went to uh, Liverpool John Moores University to do my teacher training. So my postgraduate certificate in uh, teaching physical education. Fantastic. And then you're going to be starting at Snesbitt Prep. Did you say September? September. Yeah, start of the academic year. Fantastic. Final question. What are you looking forward to the most about starting there? I'm really looking forward to teaching younger children. I've always wanted to teach uh, in a prep school. I've always wanted to teach younger students. Uh, the reason for that is because I actually do have some experience of teaching younger children um, when I worked in Australia. And I've never forgot it because I loved it so much. It's just when I came back from Australia, I saw the job working in London in the secondary school. So I continued with secondary school. But I just really want to have a new challenge of working with children who are younger. Well, I'm sure the school is looking forward to having you there. And it's been great talking to you. So, Beck, thank you very much for your time, uh, especially given that today is one of your days that you're not working. So I really appreciate you being here and talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you. So, Ralph, that was Rebecca or Beck as she sometimes likes to be called, having originated in Stoke-on-Trent and joining the school in September. Tell me what your thoughts are on her. Well, I did, before I do that, I mean, who ever thought we'd get Robbie Williams mentioned in a, you know, a Snaresbrook Prep <laughs> uh, <laughs> podcast? I didn't see that one coming. Um, yeah, anyway, so... Maybe um, we should try and get Robbie Williams actually onto a podcast episode. Do you think some of the audience might like to hear actually Robbie being here himself how amazing would that be the Christmas cracker for 2022 Robbie Williams and Mrs Bradley in conversation I love that I love that anybody who's listening that can make that happen for us yeah that would be awesome but um yeah <laughs> um yeah no I what did I make of that well I think my my initial thought was wow I'm so glad she interviewed as well then as she did when we first met her um you know, I honestly, I'd rehire her all over again. I thought the things that come across were her passion for sports, her passion and physical activity, not just sports. I think that's really key um, because I do think sports is such a um, fertile ground to learn so many of the sort of values um, and that we talk about under our school virtues. You know, I, I mean, I was thinking about it as she was talking and when I was listening to your interview with her and I was thinking, you've got... So part of our values are sort of thinking. Um, you, I think when you're playing sport or you're going into those types of things, you've got to be optimistic about the outcome. Um, you've, there's so much reflection that takes place on your own performance or how the team did or what you would do differently, what went well. I think that's one of those skills that you pick up. Um, when you're planning mm -hmm. it, you've got all the sort of reasoning bits in terms of, you know, what strategy or, you know, those types of things. In terms of those moral 
values that we talk about. I think, you know, sport is all based on honesty, respect for your, um, you know, those you're competing against and with, a sense of fairness and fair play that's always there. And actually, at its best, a sense of kindness, you know, when you sort of look after a competitor and you see that, you know, again, in um, individual sports can be just as, you know, like the triathlon I'm thinking about, you know, when I've taken part in triathlons, the actual sort of camaraderie amongst all those individual athletes that have come to compete against each other. Um, I should point out I'm more just taking part for fun. There's not much competition. It's not, I don't make it sound like I'm, you know, me and Alistair Brownlee sort of competing. You know, it's not like that. <laughs> you know. But, you know, there's, there's, a lot of, there's, a, there's a lot of camaraderie and a lot of support and kindness shown, you know, people checking on you. If you've got a flat tyre, they will say everything all right as they zip by, you know. You know, you've got, you've got to, nothing will make you more humble than, you know, a good thrashing, you know, at the hands of somebody else. And you just have to hold your hands up and go, do you know what? You were too good, you know. And what can I learn from that? That, that you know. Um, and then there's that whole collaborative element. You know, she talks about the social side. But there's that collaborative element of, you know, service to the team goal, whatever that is, you know, whatever position, you know, if you're playing a team game, whatever position you are in, you still always have to be aware if you're needed to play another role or fill in. I, th I always think that's a key one, being reliable, you know, again, you know, people on that team relying on you and knowing that they can rely on you to deliver, you know, your role to the best of your ability. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, I think it was those types of things as she was speaking that it reminded him why sport is so important, I think, to young children and, and as part of an education. It's funny, you know, because you, you mentioned about it not just being about sport, but being about, you know, having an active lifestyle. And, and I think back to when I was at prep school age and the, 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 the person that was teaching me PE was definitely just not into an active lifestyle I, I don't think she was even into PE at all it was just more of a kind of a job that she was doing and this is just the complete opposite of Beck where you know she's talking about having an active lifestyle is just part of her lifestyle and you know her, her her son her husband all three of them being you know very sporting kind of family and that's really what you want isn't it from someone who's who's teaching PE in school you want them not just to be fulfilling a job, but for that to be part of their life. Absolutely. I think that that passion came across really clearly and and hearing, but also not just because I think there's um there's a thing with sport about it being com competitive and the idea of what competition is as well. And I think it's a really it's often seen as a zero sum game. You know, I win, you lose. Uh, and so that idea of caring um is often lost but I feel that she, you know she has both of those things it's not just it's it's about being committed to sport it's about she has that ambition that we love here in terms of being ambitious for the outcome you know doing doing your very best um and sorry I was just going to go back to that idea about competition it's for me also competition makes you be better you know, it's that 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 um, story about the four minute mile, you know, everybody thought it couldn't be done. And then within about a week of Roger Bannister's record, about three people went under four minutes, you know, and I think he even said I wouldn't. I'm, I'm sure I heard him on a Radio 4 interview saying if it hadn't been for and I, I forget the, the gentleman's name who came second. But he said if it hadn't been for him, I would never have done it, you know, um, and that's 
where competition is at its best when when you're striving to be the best you can be and when you're sort of you're gaining that impetus also from somebody else and watching what they're doing and improving upon it and that's that's the best of it all and I think you know Mrs Bradley has that balance in her outlook you know and has that the care for our pupils and creating that nurturing environment is fundamental to the school and so it was important to find somebody who was passionate about sport passionate about physical exercise um, but also had this this natural empathy for um, not a win at all costs or that I'm going to you know sort of categorize it as that 1980s American idea about winning and you know second being first loser and stuff like that um which i think you know in in the uk we've taken to heart too much because we were tired of being you know the nice runners up um but i think we've lost something in being nice runners up too you know i think that's important but um yeah no I, I, i thought she spoke very passionately um and I can't wait. I can't wait for September to begin. And of course, her experience working in a secondary school. You know, what, what, how do you think that's going to help her having that experience and bringing that to Snaresbrook Prep? I think that's a really interesting question. Generally, I tend, I tend to think actually in a primary setting, um, secondary trained teachers um, and their knowledge base is not um, that important. It's actually being able to present the information in a way that is age appropriate um, and relatable to the, to the age range we have because these the, the younger children don't have the same um, set of schema they don't have the same reference points that a secondary teacher is used to teaching to however I do think in sport um, actually it's really important because to play sports it's quite a a technical discipline they're all quite technical disciplines you know it, it can be about you know the shape of the foot uh, you know if you're kicking the ball or where your balance is um, if you're striking a ball or it can be also about the um, knowing the uh, the rules of the games when you when you want to hold fixtures um, and actually to have that level of knowledge and that level of detail in the major sports that we do um, is quite tricky, you know. You know, I might, as a, as an individual, I might play a lot of football, so I know it in football, but I don't know it in netball. Um, or I might have a little bit of hockey experience, you know, so I can maybe do a little bit, you know. But to have a good depth of understanding in all of those things um, is quite tricky, unless I think you are, you know, and being secondary trained is certainly a massive help. So, for example, I mean, Mrs. Bradley, I mean on top of her sports education um, degree and obviously her PGCE, but she holds um, professional coaching badges, you know, for trampolining, for football, um, for athletics, for hockey and netball. So those major games that we do, she has lots of experience, not just lots of experience, but lots of technical knowledge as as to what you're trying to teach the children. Um, and then on top of that, she's been you know, a GCSE examiner for dance. Um, so again, that part of our curriculum and gymnastics is part of the secondary curriculum. And again, things like gymnastics um, and hockey, particularly, uh, you know, you need a lot of safety. There's a lot of safety um, and performing the actions safely. So again, it really, that's one of the areas where I think her secondary background will be 
um, really, really helpful. And safety is something she was definitely keen to talk about as well. I mean, she was very clear in her uh, enthusiasm to make sure that safety is a paramount concern of hers. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I think it, it has to be. I mean, safety is a paramount of concern throughout the whole of school. You know, it's we structure everything at school on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and the first base of the hierarchy of needs is phys- um, physical and um, psychological safety you know so you can't um, you know you're not going to take part and commit and be you know take academic risks or you know in this case sort of maybe physical risks doing a forward role or something if safety hasn't been considered you know um, it's it's important to create a, a learning environment is based on that sense of safety so I mean yeah, so that sense of safety. And then I think and one way of keeping things safe is also to have structure, which I think she mentioned. Um, again, structure is incredibly important for teaching lessons in a cohesive and cogent way. You know, and she mentioned, I think she mentioned clear purpose, you know, again. Um, and what really impressed us was how she was able to make that, give that clarity to the pupils about what they were learning. Um, but, you know, and still do it in a fun and engaging and high energy way um, that they really enjoyed. And you could see that they were enjoying and engaging with it. And um, yeah, so yeah, it's exciting. Well, I mean, clearly she's going to be joining in September. It's going to be great when she comes on board. So I'm sure that everyone's looking forward to seeing her. But in the meantime, I think we need to probably bring this episode to a close. But if anyone's listening and if you want to find out more about the school, then don't forget to check out the school on social media. Just search Snares Book Prep. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one, for listening to Rebecca, and of course, for listening to head teacher Ralph Dalton. Ralph's about to say thank you for listening. Oh, yes. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll say the same. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye for now.